0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we are talking about the Clone Wars season 2 episodes 15, 16 and 17. We're talking about senatorial politics and murder. We're talking about cat and mouse battles in space and we're talking about seven samurai on a foreign planet. All that and more after this commercial break. We have no control over Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm your host. Joining me, as always, for the Clone Wars is uh, Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight?
1: Hello. Speaking of cat and mouse,
0: <laughs> you is may your, hear our cat. Is your cat in the being rather playful tonight?
2: Gosh, she's she's in a mood. I don't
0: know. <laughs> sounds good. If you've ever wondered why every now and then you hear clanging sounds or banging while one of them is talking, so I can't edit it out, oh, that's their cat making its presence known. Uh, So, you know, we have uh, uh, fans of both a two-legged and a four-legged variety. Uh, Or in my case, a (laughs) one-legged. Well, great. Um, Glad to have you guys here. Looking forward to talking about these episodes. But I want to start by saying um, we had some technical problems here at Star Wars Universe Podcast. Uh, For a while, I've been asking folks to email in and was a little bummed that we weren't getting any emails. Turns out we were... But um, Google had lost them, and basically they were supposed to be auto-forwarding to my main address. They were not doing so. So I went oh. back and found, actually, some uh, great emails, some that are um, pretty recent, some that are from uh, a while back. But I want to just take a moment and um, read those out, thank the people, uh, and discuss them a bit, because a lot of them are about the Clone Wars. Uh, either what we have discussed directly, or um, some of the newer seasons of Clone Wars, which um, I, the new season of Clone Wars, I should say, which I haven't discussed with you guys, but I know all of us have watched. So, our first one comes from Matthew Roberts. Matthew writes, Loving the podcast and the insights and thoughts uh, about what is one of my favorite universes. I also love the last episode of The Clone Wars and the tension and parallels between Ahsoka and Maul. If you want some insight into what happens between uh, Return of the Revenge of the Sith and New Hope to characters like Maul and Ahsoka, then you must watch The Rebel Show. The first series is very much setting up that narrative with the new characters we meet, and can feel like a kid's show, as mentioned in your podcast. However, once you get into the following seasons, you have encounters with the characters you want. I'm trying not to give any spoilers, but there are reunions with characters that are very poignant and heartbreaking at the same time. That's my recommendation, Matt. Um, Matt, thanks so much. Um, He's referencing more what we talked about uh, at the end of The Clone Wars, uh, but I think it's pretty relevant because, if I remember correctly, all three of us have now started watching uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, correct?
1: Well, we finished. Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> we, we just... We just hyperspace through that thing.
0: So clearly, you Fantastic. think Matt's totally wrong and it's terrible. I'm sensing. <laughs>
1: I think it's the. I mean, I think it's the best Star Wars cartoon. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree.
1: It's better than I think. It's better than Clone Wars. We started watching Resistance and we kind of sputtered because it just it didn't grab us. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish it at some point.
2: Yeah, someone warned that um, like Rebels didn't have a great first season, but. I mean, I I loved it start to finish. It felt the most Star worthy out of mm-hmm. all the sort of spin-off shows we've watched.
0: Yeah. I I definitely feel that way. You know, there, there's actual Stormtroopers. There's no Roger Roger nonsense. Um, you're right. There's characters from Star Wars that feel like Star Wars. Um, there's a character that that appears in both It and Re- Revenge of the Sith that feels much more accurate to his, his representation in the original movies. Oh, without going into who that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh yeah i i i agree with you all i'm i'm not as far along as you are i got caught up in a couple other things but i'm i'm really enjoying it i think its place in the continuity makes no sense whatsoever um <laughs> but um uh as the the opening crawl of a new hope with the words you know the rebellion has just won its first victory make less and less sense as we have more and more of these shows but i'm i'm definitely loving it and i'm looking for uh I'm hoping with you all or maybe with someone else, I think once we finish Clone Wars, we'll definitely jump into a watch of Rebels and talking about that because I think that's really rich environment and has a lot to offer in terms of discussion.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, all right. So the next one is from, uh, Brendan Goss. Uh, Brendan writes, Hey guys, love the show. And, uh, here he is specifically talking about something that we, we mentioned in the, um, uh, episode, uh, about the last episode of, uh, last season of Clone Wars. Um, and you know what? Because we'll have kind of spoilers. So I am actually going to hold off on this one as well because I don't want to spoil people who have not yet seen the last episode of Star Wars. So, uh, of Clone Wars. So we'll hold off on that. Uh, there's a couple other people who wrote in who I've responded to and, and we may get to read them on air at some point. Thank you all uh, to everybody though. Uh, and please keep writing in. Please keep letting us know what you think. Um, tell us when we're right. Tell us when we're wrong. And we'll definitely want to uh, read those on air and, and, and get back to you. So um, with that... Let's dive into the episodes we have. Um, and let us start with episode 15, Senate Murders. Senator uh, Anaconda Far, who um, folks may remember, we met him in season one. He's from the same planet that Guido is from. Um, I can't remember what the name of that planet is or the name of the people. Do you guys, Rodia. guys know? Rodia. Rubia. No, Rodians. Rodians. Rodian, thank you. Rodia, Rodians. Um, and he was the one who uh, Padme thinks of as an uncle. Uh, but when she got there, it turns out that he was betraying her because he was working for the separatists. But that during the course of it, he realized the separatists were not actually going to help his planet. They, they were going to bring him into the war. And he switched sides at the very end and helped Amidala. Um, so he is poisoned and Padme teams up with Bail Organa to unmask the culprit who turns out to be a fellow senator. Um, what do you guys think of this one?
2: I think it had probably the most boring intro crawl out of uh, all of the Clone Wars. I just want to read a little snippet from it. This is Careful. from Admiral Yolaren, who does his like wartimey, old-timey voiceover. So in his, like, dateline voice, he says, Senator Padme Amidala recognizing that more troops will only prolong the fighting, works tirelessly with her allies to introduce a bill to cut down the military spending and stop the creation of more clone troopers. So you're like set up for, here's some galactic bureaucracy. Um, which is just like dull? And I get that it's it's world-building and to sort of flesh out how bills work in the Senate, but also like I don't want to watch space bureaucracy.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Which
2: is what like what I doesn't
1: I do, to be but they <laughs> don't they don't give us the bureaucracy. No, yeah. So it starts off with Amidala giving a speech in the Senate to like rally people to this cause, uh, to this bill. Except that we don't get to see the speech. We we get like the last two lines of her speech as she's finishing. And It's like, and that's why we need this bill to stop the war. And these are the moments where it would really help us to see her see her oratory because supposedly she is a a well-respected and rising senator, but yeah, we don't get to see why so much.
0: Yeah. I I'm definitely with you. I, I love these bureaucracy episodes, uh, but I understand they're not really what eight year olds want to tune in for Um, or many adults either. Um, You know, in the same way that I, I wanted two hours of diplomatic wrangling over the Scovia Accords in civil war. (laughs) Um, but I think you're right. It's It teases at world building, but it doesn't give us enough to grab onto, especially because a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, w- one of the things for me is I still don't quite understand exactly where Padme and Naboo stand in all of this. Um, uh, on on the other side of this podcast, we just put up an episode about the movie Attack of the Clones, and we're talking about all the ways in which that movie doesn't make any sense. And um, One of the points that I made is Listen, if you you want to think that there's actual planets that genuinely believe the Republic is no longer useful and they want to separate away from it, wouldn't the planet that got invaded and then the Republic was powerless to intervene be like one of the first in line to believe in the separatist cause? Um, I I can understand why they didn't write it that way, but I just I'm continually not feeling like I have any understanding what Padme and Naboo's motivations are in all this other than whatever the plot needs for that episode. Mm. Mm.
2: I think there's like an interesting connection between Palpatine and Padme. Like, I don't know if Palpatine at, at this point in the Clone Wars, like knows that she and Anakin are married um, and he's got such a close relationship with Anakin that maybe there's some, like she is willing to give him more of the benefit of the doubt than he deserves Or sort of sees him as sort of a pseudo-father figure. Well,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, he is also from Naboo, so he's a mentor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Certainly, I think think he senses Anakin's strong feelings about her. Um, Mm -hmm. In in Attack of the Clones, it does seem like he's the one to push for... Yeah, actually, this is true. Uh, Palpatine is very insistent that um, uh, Padme needs the protection of a Jedi. So I think he's definitely trying to move the chess pieces of putting Anakin and Padme closer together.
1: Yeah. So in The Phantom Menace, he's actually the senator from Naboo at the right. time. Because she's the, the queen. elected queen.
0: Yeah. Which doesn't... I don't know. But okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, she, so she takes his seat in the Senate when, basically when he becomes chancellor. Or a little yeah. after.
1: And he uses the incident... To become chancellor by saying, look, like the Republic can't save my planet. Like, what are you going to do? You're weak. Yeah. So he he gets the chancellor at the time, Valorum. Uh, they do a vote of no confidence. Right. And that he's he's surprised that they elect him to be chancellor. Gosh, I, I never would have <laughs> thought of that. Yeah. Um, I'll do my best.
0: I, I will yeah. say I, I did like, you know, we've talked a lot about how we wish we knew more about what the separatists want and where everybody falls in this. Um, they've hinted at the idea that part of what's driving this war is money and the people who are profiting off of it. Yeah. And, I, and I did like that. I feel like we get a lot more of that. And, um, I, we've talked before about how this, this came out right around the time that, um, the, the critique of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were really heating up the, the late, uh, around like 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and I think that this is very intentionally like, you know, that was around the time that people were talking about. Halliburton and and oil companies profiting all, and the you know military companies profiting all this, and and here we have you know all this discussion about it's the people who make the clones, it's the people who make the weapons who want to keep the war going, um, and I really liked her perspective of you know we can't afford this, both in terms of the lives being lost and the the money being spent, and that we should seek diplomacy. Um, it it just felt kind of like it was a drop in a different ocean because we have not had any discussion about what the separatists would want diplomatically or what peace would look like. So it it felt out of place, but I, I did really like that part.
1: I would have liked a little more whipping. You know, like hmm. the, this is all about getting votes. I mean, getting votes for the bill. The, there was some talk of that, but we never actually see like a senator on the fence being negotiated with and talked to about, like, yeah. why they should support the bill.
2: Yeah, and then Padme, like, kind of gives up and says, like, the, well, the best way to support this issue is find out who murdered uh, Ono? Oh, no. Oh, no. I yeah. keep wanting to call him Ono, but it's <laughs> ono. Um, And just, like, completely abandons it and goes off on her, like, private detective mission. And then while she's doing that, they just vote without her. Yeah, Which is, like... OK.
0: Yeah. A lot of that seems so weird to me, especially because and we we later find out it was he was not killed by the people who are against the bill he was pushing. But I, I have to say, like, knowing what I do about politics and I, I think we've seen this when, you know, people have been killed before, you know, if a U.S. senator from whatever party was pushing a bill that was maybe going to pass, but maybe not, and then got killed because of the bill. That bill passes in a landslide. I mean, like, there's no better way to gather a martyr vote than something like that. Um, so I thought that was also kind of a little bit of a, a childish view of politics. Um,
2: and also, so doesn't so he's he's poisoned by like his underling basically because she's upset about the betraying he did on um, Rodia. is the planet's name. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, Rodia, yeah. Rodia. Yeah. And like so it it just seems like I don't even know if she's concerned about the bill like she's part of the group of senators who are like trying to get it passed but it seems like that may have just been so she could get close enough to him but,
1: but she she claims that her motivation to murder him was that he brought war to my planet. Yeah. So shouldn't you support not the anti-war bill. bill
0: yeah it, it one of the comments that we've made huh? on those uh rewatches of the movies but i think is also applicable here is that i think the, one of the biggest problems of of the prequel movies and the, the tv show the clone wars is you're trying to tell stories that are much more subtle much more nuanced and, and really much more mature than anything that happened in the original star wars movies you know um and and that just doesn't really fit for a kid's show or for kids' movies. And I mean honestly, I watch this and I think I would love some like CW style um or you know n- like Netflix style TV show that was just all about like senatorial wrangling and political intrigue and who's sleeping with who among the <laughs> senatorial aides of the Senate during the Republic, during the Clone Wars. You know, like I would love that show. And I think I, well, yeah. I, I both love yeah. this episode and I'm so frustrated by it because it gives us just the teeniest bit of it. But it also doesn't make – we don't have the larger picture to understand how it makes any sense.
2: Yeah. And I think – so I'm just genuinely not a, a fan of the governmental structures of uh, fictional worlds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, like, I don't, I don't – I feel like I can – deal with just some hand waving and be like it works don't worry about it yeah um, but I think an example is so Ricky and I just recently watched the um the Gundam prequel yeah uh, miniseries okay and I watched I watched Gundam wing way back in the day and those shows both deal so much with like politics and like the politics of basically two warring factions of earth and it's mm-hmm. But it's done in, like, a, an intriguing way. They're, like, it's definitely not a kid's show. Or if it is, it's, like, very violent for a kid's show. Right. Especially the miniseries. Right. I think Gundam Wing was more aimed towards kids. But there was still, like, a lot of political nuance. And I, yeah, I feel like it, it just, like, what you are saying, Matthew, they gave a taste, but just, like, didn't go in yeah. Far enough, they like sort of landed in this weird middle ground where it was just kind of like, "Here's some politics stuff," yeah, but also murder.
0: And I like it, but I wish it gone further. Um, what did you think of the uh, investigator? He is he Columbo? Is he space? Columbo? <laughs> I think he's supposed to be uh, space Columbo. He's not
1: quite, he's not quite that
0: bad. But but more of an, I, he he's uh, he's played as kind of a little bit of a doddering idiot and very very pretentious. I loved him though. I just thought he was such a nice breath of like. He wasn't a Jedi, he wasn't part of the Senate. He was just sort of like a this is my job on Coruscant and I'm not part of all these bigger stories. I just investigate killings. Um and I I just thought it was a a, a nice bit of world building and a really quirky fun character. Yeah. And he was right too. Yeah, when he's yeah. like leave the inspecting to
1: me and you go do the senating, yeah. which they should have. The, the the part of this episode where Padme and Bail Organa go to the docks to investigate was so so bad like that they shouldn't have done that
2: like even previous to all of that so the inspector comes in and interviews the senators and like you said matthew he's kind of bumbling and pretentious and this upsets padme who's like basically uncle has just been murdered um and so then he he's like don't go investigate this on your own I've got this. And the first thing she does is like, well, gonna go investigate this on my yeah. own. Mm-hmm. And they go in to some other senators who they think are initially responsible, and they're the ones who tell them to go check out the docs. Yeah, it's just it's totally ridiculous. And by going on this wild goose chase, yeah, the the vote happens in the Senate without them and doesn't pass.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it just it, it's it's me especially, but a lot of them, like, they do what's required of the plot without it being, like, who, who is this character and what do we expect of her? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I think I think that's... And
1: that and she's probably even hanging out with Anakin too much. Yeah. Because yeah. he's all about the, <laughs> like, I'm just going to do it. Action, 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 action.
0: Um, just kind of looking over to see if there's any other little things I wanted to mention before we move on. Um, I, I will say it... At first, when the Kim Noen senator appeared, I was thinking, like, wait, this planet's way out on the outer rim and no one heard about it three years ago. How in the world does it have a senator? And I appreciate they that they sp- named that and they specifically said, yeah. like, mm-hmm. they, they got rushed into the Senate because of the clone stuff. Um, So I was at least really happy, like, okay, like, you, you acknowledge that's a problem and it actually is a plot someone, point itself.
1: Someone writing saw the plot hole and quickly, like, shoveled it in.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anything else on this episode? No. Cool. there was something, but I totally forget.
2: Something that irritated me, and I can't remember it anymore. So clearly it wasn't that important.
0: But I think mm-hmm. Mon Martha was too old in this, in episode. this episode. It could be. Is, is, that she who, suppo- is that who that woman was supposed to be? She was supposed to be Mon Martha?
2: Yeah. Or as she... I call her, Mon Martha.
1: <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> no because I I, I I believe she's supposed to be a teenager at this point and is, is but but who knows like she's Chandrillian, yeah. so maybe they they age could differently. age differently
0: who knows i mean certainly like i said I, I i i looked at the math once you understand what's happening in the clone wars uh movies and all that and and the official dates that have been given obi-wan oh, kenobi yeah. in a new hope is 55 but he's, again, I mean, he's, he's been living a in a desert.
2: He's, he's lived in a desert. He's, he's had some stressful situations. Not enough animals to ride.
0: Yeah, clearly. Clearly that's a problem.
1: He has lots of animals to ride.
0: <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about the next episode. Uh, and I, I would just say about that one. I think I did like it quite a bit more than you guys. But I, I, there's definitely a lot of hilarious problems. Um, Kat- I, well, I liked
1: it. Oh, It was just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I wanted different stuff. I wanted less of the Nancy Drew and more of the Senate politics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely would
2: be on that called- one had my Nancy Drew while we were Um, (laughs) watching That's fitting. I also, the thing that I, that also kind of doesn't really like super bug me, but is weird about this episode is that like it's not, this episode and the next episode aren't in chronological order in season two. (laughs) So it's just like kind of a weird out of nowhere episode to begin with. And it's like also someone got murdered.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's so badly out of order. Yeah. So uh, let's go to the next episode then. Yeah. Uh, talk about
0: that yeah all right so cat and mouse a highly seasoned separatist strategist stands between the republic fleet and belugared republic forces on christophysis um anakin finds himself in command of an advanced prototype stealth ship with orders to ferry supplies to the weary troops on the planet below will he obey orders or use the stealth ship to launch a sneak attack on the separatist blockade uh i that's not a question clearly he's not gonna follow orders uh, <laughs> which raises his own questions
1: um but that so the beleaguered republic forces are mm. led by bail organa who's like if you're just watching these episodes like somehow magically he's been transported yeah. to this planet under siege he yeah.
0: has no military experience that we know of i mean we're later told that organa that uh his planet alderaan is a completely peaceful planet um and we just saw him being pretty against the war. So what he's doing there, I have no idea whatsoever.
2: Yeah, it's super strange for him to, like, teleport into the like middle of nowhere into a war. But so Cat and Mouse, this episode, chronologically is the very first episode of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But it's happening in, like, the middle of season two. And they never explain explicitly, like, P.S., this takes place a long time ago. Not even a long time ago, but a while ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Wait, how how could this be the first episode of the TV show? Because we the uh, what's his name General Thrush or Admiral Thrush,
2: Admiral Trench, Trench, Trench.
0: Um, he uh, Mister Bug General. We've talked about him already because he appears in a later episode, and he certainly seems to die in this one.
2: He certainly does. But if you remember him in that later episode, he comes back with uh, like heavy cybernetic components.
0: Uh, oh, that makes so much more sense. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's I, he's probably one of my favorite characters. No,
1: <laughs> just no.
2: he doesn't like him because he's a spider. He's, I yeah, he's got a, a bit of arachnophobia. Boo spiders.
1: Uh-huh. I I a think weird, he's great. his he weird clicking sound. I love his weird clicking. Sounds. Yeah, I know because while we're watching the episode, you start clicking right next to me.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. <Ugh.
1: laughs>
0: yeah. Once again, we have some things about this episode that I quite like. A lot that makes no sense. Um. I was really, Sarah, thinking about what you had said about the um, – why is the fighting in space completely two-dimensional? Um yeah. Because it's literally – I mean, it's not even that it's two-dimensional. It's like the ships are literally just like holding – like holding their place in space, which is physically impossible because everything rotates in space. Um, but like um, – and just shooting at each other with like no strategy or like our ship's moving straight ahead. Like – it's funny. Yeah. Um, there's there's a game now that's out, Star Wars Armada, which allows you to do like pretty intense, interesting like starship battling and like maneuvering stuff. And well, they, they do none of that later. in the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and we were when we were watching it, Ricky even mentioned like, why don't starships just have like engines on both sides so that because there's an, a point where they have to turn around and the ships physically like move in a circle.
1: To, yeah. They turn around like ships on the ocean would. Yeah. Meaning they move forward and slowly like do this arc, mm-hmm. which and, which you just don't need to do in space, and yeah. exposes you to a massive amount of broadside fire.
2: Yeah. Either like do a somersault and go the opposite direction, yeah. or like stick some engines on the front of your ship as well, and then just like turn those ones on and zoom off because you don't have like um momentum that right. you really need to worry about. Like, are there things that's not really, like, friction or anything like that? Anyway, yeah, it's just, it's it's weird. And I think you just really have to suspend your disbelief Yeah. about I, this being space and not water. I yeah. think this is definitely
0: so, my least favorite episode of the three. Uh, and it's part because just the whole thing is supposed to, like, the theme of the episode is, like, battle strategy. And none of the strategy that you use makes any sense.
1: Yeah. Um, As I have mentioned in the past... I have been watching way too many YouTube videos about Star Wars mm-hmm. to just like get additional information and I guess the canon explanation for why do the starships always like show up on the same plane, especially like in terms of hyperspace travel right yep and and these blockades of planets like how does a blockade work <laughs> um, the the reason given. Is that there are hyperspace lanes mm-hmm. through space, meaning you can't just jump to hyperspace from anywhere to anywhere. Um, and, and you know, like in in the stories, you often they often talk about like calculating the hyperspace routes, right, mm-hmm. before they can make a jump, because it's dangerous. Like you don't want to hyperspace through a star, because that that'll mess you up.
2: But wouldn't that like wouldn't your gravity thing pull you out because? Space well, yeah. Ships, hyperspace, okay, because okay, yeah. you would just be pulled out, not because you would go through the star.
1: Okay, I got you. Continue. So, so there are established hyperspace lanes that are known to be safe, or like intentionally kept clear of of objects. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the battle, like coming out of hyperspace, happens like at the at the exits of those lanes, basically. Right.
2: But what's keeping them on the same? plane. Like, I get what's putting them out toward each other, but, like, why are they both right side up to each prettier. other? Because it's <laughs> prettier. Yeah.
1: Look, the Empire tried. They made the Death Star, which makes a lot more sense, just right? As a sphere. Yeah. <laughs> just like the Borg.
0: It's so silly. I'll just say two other things, just on the dumb strategy. One, um, we have seen consistently before other ships fire torpedoes of some kind or another without having to lower their shields. <laughs> um, but but even, yeah. even if that's a requirement, I can understand, and like often happens like in Star Trek or something like that, of you lower your ships for five seconds in order to fire and so you're vulnerable. I don't think I would ever fire a weapon in the middle of a big space battle if it meant taking my shields down for like 30 to 60 seconds.
1: Right. Because they also say we can't put the shields back up because they're recharging.
2: Yeah, which like... What?
1: Why would they need to recharge? When yeah. You turn them off.
0: Also, I know that it's, you know, probably just a, a thing people think about and maybe it didn't I'm sure it didn't even come from this, but it's the first reference I got. The move that Anakin pulls of get the torpedo to follow you and then fly right at the other ship and then fly right over it so that it or, or you know, drive right over it so that um uh the torpedo hits the the people that fired it. Oh, yeah. straight out of the end of the movie hunt for red october it's yeah, 100 okay. the exact same scene with like some of the same shots
1: yeah um, well this this was like very um submarine movie-ish anyway like right yeah. down to the pinging sound mm-hmm. oh yeah that's true space dar
0: <laughs> that makes me at least feel a little better that maybe this was an intentional reference to hunt for red october um, yeah so, okay. or, or
1: just submarine movies. Yeah.
0: I feel at least a little better about that, but still a little annoyed. Yeah, that's
1: um fair. I think even like I think they even dim the lights yeah. on the ship when they cloak. Yeah, which, they do say like turn to...
0: off everything, we'll just drift, which is a a submarine tactic. So um now here's my question for you. If you're a Jedi Admiral, you're sort of overall in charge of something, you have this special prototype new ship. That is designed specifically to do primarily defensive things and like to run supplies. And especially right now, you need it to do a supply run and not to go on the offensive. Mm -hmm. Let's decide what general to put in charge of it for its first mission.
2: Ooh, ooh, ooh. The one who always disobeys orders and immediately (laughs) goes and attacks anything in sight. Yeah.
0: Where's Anakin on that list for you? Because he's pretty (laughs) low on mine. (laughs)
1: Because even the clone was like, yeah, well, when you're with General Skywalker.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he, like he's clearly got a reputation, he, like, even this being chronologically first. So there's no, like, maybe they didn't realize he would do this. But, yeah. Wow. Anakin.
0: Yeah. It's... it's Such bad choices. It, it also... I brought this up earlier, but it... It, it reminds me again of the fact that it seems like there is absolutely no chain of command. Because, like... I mean ricky tell me if i'm wrong here but like you know scg is hardly the military um you guys don't have but you know like okay maybe it is not um but like you know if you give a judge a particular like hey i need you to go and do this and the judge goes and does the exact other thing are you gonna say like oh well that's just matthew being matthew that's too bad but that's what he does um I'm guessing that i get pulled off the floor pretty quick and told, like, you don't do that, and maybe we're not going to have you judging anymore for a little while. Um, Am I wrong there? I mean, it
1: depends on what you've done. Right. And how... A lot of
0: factors. Yeah,
2: and I feel like you're not... I mean, I could be wrong about this, but you're not prophesized as, like, the chosen
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something I haven't told you (laughs) folks yet. Once again, oh... (laughs) But yeah, that's my point, is I feel like in any kind of system normally, there's a there's an understanding there's some kind of chain of command, and Anakin just blows through it constantly. Yeah. Um, and
2: I do... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I do like how in later episodes we see Ylaren just being, like, done with Anakin. Is it Ylaren? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Who's just, like, over it, mm-hmm. is sick of the sky, always disobeying obeying orders. Um... So I appreciate that, like it's not just like, "Oh, Annie," and then he's right back at it again. But yeah, he does seem to get away with a phenomenal amount.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Um, I don't think I've got anything much more to say about this episode. It definitely was not my favorite. Um, anything well, else? I'll to- say
1: from the tech side of things, they should not have done this. <laughs> you should not. You should never introduce. Cloaking technology, and especially mention that there are other ships that can cloak. Right, right, because they, they they do mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just then you always have this question of why don't you use a cloaked ship yeah. for this secret mission? And, and Star Star Trek has always had this problem, mm-hmm. right? Of like, why can the Romulans and the Klingons have cloak and the Federation can't? And they had to invent this whole plot device of this treaty. And then you're questioning, like, how how bad are the Federation diplomats that they would sign this treaty to, like, never use this very useful technology?
0: See, I was going to say, I actually kind of—I I actually think of Star Wars as a much better example of what this could be. Because at least there, they do acknowledge there's a specific reason why it can't be used. And maybe it's not the best or smartest reason, but at least they name it in a way that, as you said, like, here they don't at all. It's just, yep, we used it 20 years ago, but for some reason— the movies that are made, that are set chronologically 20 years later, never use this technology.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Or if it had something like, oh, wow, the cloaking device blew mm-hmm. up. Like, ah, it always fails really badly. This sucked. We're never using it again. But yeah. I, I mean, I agree that I like Star Trek that they even, like, gave an attempt at an explanation, whereas this is just, like, cloaking devices. Okay, bye. Yeah.
1: So I'll, I'll tell you that in the novels... Timothy Zahn's uh, novel, The Last Command, I think it was, the third one in the, the Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. they use cloaking technology and explain their lack of use in, in the galaxy this way, in that sensors cannot sense anything through a cloaking field.
0: Right. So you're kind of flying blind if you're in a cloak. Right. Meaning that
1: the ship itself can't mm-hmm. sense anything beyond.
0: Right. And and part but of the point
2: they, in this episode, they showed them using their little like radar.
1: Yeah, because that's not that's legends. Yeah, the novels are legends, oh, uh, so okay. that's not the current yeah. definition of cloaking technology. I but see. I'm saying he had a, a very, reason. a very innovative, I thought, explanation for yeah. why it wasn't used because it's just dangerous.
0: Well, and especially because then he goes into a much better explanation of so with a, a a very powerful Jedi but also one who's comfortable literally just like mind controlling the people who fly the ship, then at least, you know, he can be their eyes for them, but other, or he or she could be their eyes. They could be their eyes for them, but yeah, it it doesn't make sense. Otherwise. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next episode, which I, I think we're going to have some pretty positive things to say about, uh, if I remember, uh, and this is bounty hunters. Number 17. When Anakin, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan crash on the lush rainforest planet of Felucia, which I think we'll definitely talk about that name in a moment, they decide to help four bounty hunters protect local farmers from pirates intent on stealing their valuable crops. Obi-Wan and Anakin soon find out that the pirates are led by the duo's old foe, Hondo. Yes. So, let's see. We've got four farmers, mm-hmm. and then we or add... four bounty hunters. Oh, sorry. Four bounty hunters, and then we add three Jedi. So, we've yeah. got... That's eight. Se- seven... What what's oh. the, I feel like there's some kind of reference that's being done with this this show this episode. Uh, Riki, this what...
2: episode is also dedicated to Akira Kurosawa.
0: Yeah. So so <laughs> I mean, the... what, what what's so, this all about?
1: Well, we what we're talking about is um, the movie Seven Samurai, which was directed by Japan's greatest movie director, Akira <laughs> Kurosawa. Uh, who did other things you may have heard of, like uh, Ron, Hidden Fortress, and uh, Rashomon is a, is a very famous one mm-hmm. that people study in film school.
0: I, I will say and, that a couple of diehard Ghibli fans are already writing very <laughs> angry emails to you, but yes, go on. That's and- fine. <laughs> that's fine. I mean,
1: it, it's. He's old, right? Yeah. So it's like Orson Welles has kind of like faded into yeah. memory. But people who study film are like, oh, yeah, Orson Welles, whereas we're like, I've, I'm never going to watch these movies.
0: His version of, so. of some like where he takes Shakespeare, yeah, Shakespearean stories and puts them into like samurai culture yeah. are just phenomenal. Yeah. But anyway, go, go and, on. And
1: so the, the Seven Samurai itself is probably like in Western culture, his most famous movie and in fact has been copied. Multiple times. You may be familiar with the Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. where instead of Samurai it's Cowboys. Right? Or my favorite Kickstarter's
2: <laughs> a Bugs Life, where yeah. it's Bugs instead of Samurai.
1: <laughs> I and, and so now we have this in Star Wars and Matthew, you also reviewed the episode of The Mandalorian. Yep. That is based on Which this is also plot. the same
0: story. And and we, we yeah. talked about how it was very reminiscent of um a lot of cowboy movie tropes. Um, which, which I, I think it, it is a trope that existed somewhat independently of this, but there's the cowboy movie, Magnificent Seven, as you pointed out, is very much, be, is very much based on this one and this coming first. So, but yeah, the, there's a Mandalorian episode. There's also pretty much the exact same story, um, which I, I just think is fantastic. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I think there's a reason it gets like remade and repeated so often. It's, I mean, it's a really great, really compelling story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean you've got like the people who are in need, the kind of grizzled veterans who don't want to necessarily fight for them but eventually get get pulled around um, there's always the element of you know we're outnumbered, we're outgunned so we have to teach these the, the locals how to fight themselves and they don't want to fight um, mm-hmm. I, I,
2: I against like the, the bigger enemy who's just taking advantage of these like underprivileged farmers usually but i
0: I know that in both this version and the and the mandalorian version a big part of it is that the the other side has one central piece of tech uh in this it's a tank and the other one it's an uh an atst walker is that original to the um is there something about that in the uh um uh seven samurai or is that just something that's that's put in once they become science fiction stories
1: no i I mean there 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 was no big tech like vehicle Right. I, think, right. I think the bandits in The Seven Samurai just had like overwhelming numbers.
0: Right. And just kind and of a, so... a knowledge of fighting that the farms people themselves don't have.
2: It's, it's weird that you bring that up, Matthew, because in A Bug's Life, <laughs> the one that I'm most familiar with, they also have uh, like a, a piece of ingenious tech, which is this like bird robot that they made. It's not really a robot, it's like but the a bird ants, model. the ants use that. Yes. So
1: oh sorry
0: backwards, backwards. Yeah. yeah uh well and i will say um that one of the um i i i think kind of as part, this might be somewhat uh unintentional but i think it's, it, that there may be a connection here um avatar the last airbender is a western made show but it is very much based on um asian cult interpretations of asian culture and asian ideas and done with an awful lot of sensitivity and one of the major actors from that is also a voice actor in this which i i you know could be coincidental, but I think was was probably not Because uh, he has an accent that i think is is um you know at least le- at least sounded at least a little bit japanese inspired to me um the um not not the scared farmer but the um i think his name is chasis he's one of the, he's one of the other leaders of the farmers but he's a little bit more sort of willing to to go to fight um so
1: it's been a long time since I watched the seven samurai. But but now that you mentioned the thing about the tech, I think it's possible that the bandits have like rifles.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and these people have which, like bows and arrows and, and swords yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that that would make sense. So
1: it's it's not like a big vehicle, but I, I do believe they may have had a, a technological advantage in that sense.
0: Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. So yeah, what would you like? Getting to this episode specifically, what, what what's your take on? Uh, this particular interpretation of that great story.
1: Well, I I, I like it, obviously. They loved it? I don't know. <laughs> um, it's always great to have Hondo as well. He's just a delightful character and, and is voiced well in a way that he's clearly the villain, but it is still likable Hondo, right?
2: Yeah, Hondo's great. I... If I didn't see that, like, Akira Kurosawa dedication at the beginning of the episode, and they didn't explicitly say, like, well, now there's seven of us, I don't know if I would have been as enamored with this episode. Because mm-hmm. um, it does feel a little bit out of place in, the, like, the greater Clone Wars arc, right? Where they just kind of get... Um, they don't get it like abandoned on this planet. Why are they on this planet? They
0: crash. They, they crash get, get shot planet. down, yeah. Okay. They're looking for the
1: hospital. The only hospital in the sector. Yeah.
2: I'm like, just also <laughs> just build another hospital. Um but they're there. And it's it's similar to um another episode from season one where they're abandoned on a planet and then have to help the uh, native tribes there. Right, who are pacifists in that episode? There. Yeah, who are pacifists. And, I mean, Obi-Wan is is bringing up the point of, like, we can't fight this battle for you because we're Jedi and we have to stay impartial. Um, isn't he?
1: No, well, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, sorry. Sh- I'm shaking my head at the policy.
2: Okay, not at me being incorrect. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then they they sort of get around it with this, well, we can, we're not going to fight, but we can teach you how to fight.
1: Yeah, because right. um, you have to have the classic scene. Of the, the sticks, like the farmer's holding the sticks and like, ha, 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 <laughs> I'm doing like three very bad strikes all in unison. Yeah. I, like, that's that's part of the trope. Yep.
2: <laughs> and even, oh man, when the farmer's are like, we don't have weapons, and Anakin like grabs one of their sticks and just like...
1: Oh yeah, starts
0: spinning it. Yeah. yeah.
2: And he's like, this'll work. And it's like, you're a Jedi, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, well, but... It might work for you. But I think, I think that is part of what I like about it is it is a, you know, a lot of the times we see just, you know, the Jedi come in and save everything. Um, and it's one interesting note, the episode about um, senatorial murder, I'm pretty sure a Jedi never appears anywhere in that episode. Oh, yeah, Certainly yeah. no lightsabers ever used or Jedi powers. But, I, you know, because I do sometimes get frustrated by stories that are just about, like, you know, great men of history and the two Jedi who can fix everything. I really do like the more of the like no we need like the common people to rise up you know we need it to be a more broad-based you know revolution or not a revolution it's a fighting back but you know not just like I mean on the one hand from everything we've seen when the Jedi say we can't save you by ourselves I don't really believe them um but also I feel like it's a nice story to think that they can't unless they have to you know get involved but especially actually even because of what uh Obi-Wan says where he says like if we fight this war for you now then you'll still be just as defenseless when someone else comes along. And so it's the, like, you know, you don't give a man a fish, you teach him how to fish. You, um, you know, and and instead of, like, killing the person's enemies for them, you teach them how to kill their enemies themselves is a little bit more of a dark twist on that story, but I I do kind of like it.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, I I agree that I I definitely think the Jedi could handle this totally on their own. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, their, like, weird moral code is what's preventing them. And also, yeah, the teach them to fish. And is it? Okay. They don't agree to do it until they see that it's Hondo. It's kind of also a funny right. thing, right? Because they're just like, nah, you, we can't do this. It goes against our code. Pirates are bad, but, like, sorry. And then... Hondo shows up and you are know, like, welcome, my friends, and just like is the best. Yeah, and then they're
0: like, we will teach you how to fight this guy, which is a little funny because they're kind like. If it was Cad Bane, who's also awesome, but mm-hmm. is Cad Bane is just like, I hate you, you hate me, we're gonna fight. Hondo at this point feels more like frenemies with the Jedi, like, oh yeah, and again, I'll say like other shows you know, later in the seasons get into this as well as uh uh some other uh, some other pieces of uh, fiction in the star wars universe but like hondo to me more is kind of like an eye rolly like all right let's go capture him and and smack him around till he learns to do what we always want him to do but the idea of like nope hondo's there we have to go to war um <laughs> didn't quite head up to me
2: <laughs> i don't even know if it's like have to go to war it's just like this guy annoys me yeah um and like he, well, he tried to negotiate well, yeah he tried least. to be like listen i'll just give you some republic credits and then you can go and it's fine, like leave like, these nice people alone. Mm-hmm. And Hannah was like, no deal. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. I, I definitely really like this episode. I um I, I like the callback. I like the kind of day in the life story. Um and I really like that this is something that has absolutely nothing to do with the Clone Wars. Um, instead it feels like it's kind of the um similar to what we've seen in a, a couple of their episodes, but the idea of that because the Republic is so busy fighting the Clone Wars that a lot of these like little skirmishes um, that often the Jedi would be able to come and, and help aren't getting taken care of. Um, and it kind of goes more to the idea of that like the Republic is failing and that they're not taking care of things. Um, and and also it's just like an interesting story that is not, it's not directly relevant to what's Count Dooku doing and Grievous um, you know and all those kind of things. So you've yeah (laughs) Yeah. i I will also say i hadn't even realized this until i said it but um three things that don't appear in any of the three episodes we just saw um dooku never appears grievous never appears and the two words that are never uttered in any of these three episodes roger roger
2: false really there is yeah in Mm. uh cat and mouse trench orders the droids to do something and they go roger roger and instantly like bump into each other yeah
0: it was so and,
2: like, bad okay. so so you must have blocked that from your memory i
0: do. so we're most of the way there we're like we're like we got like 90 percent, you know uh droid free <laughs> yeah it
2: was like a throwaway gag with the droids but there wasn't like massive droid bumbling
0: throughout mm-hmm.
1: yeah They're standing on the bridge of a starship and just, like, turn right into each other. Yeah, Uh, Who programmed these things?
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, they were interesting episodes. I really, really like this episode. I think it's fun. I don't know if I would like it as much if I didn't like Seven Samurai connection, but, I mean, I do, so... (laughs) Mm?
1: I would, and and especially like I wish we would see more of these bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. So the only one that I recall seeing in future episodes is Embo, the right. the hat guy, mm-hmm. um, who I think shows up on Cad Bane's crew at some point, or maybe you know some, one of the other bounty hunters.
2: There's like a con- there's an episode that involves a whole bunch of bounty hunters. Yeah, later
1: down the line, and he's yeah. one of those. And he throws his hat around, so it's kind of a uh callback bounty. to yeah, odd job from, from Bond.
0: Oh, that's a good, good reference. Yeah, I mean, and we're also like, this is the season called Rise of the Bounty Hunters, and out of mm. um, I think we're on episode seventeen, and I think we maybe we've had three episodes that focus on bounty hunters, maybe more because the the Mandalorian plot, but certainly it's it, it's more seemed like the season is like you know. A light dusting of bounty hunters. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think we get more bounty hunters later, right? Mm-hmm. But and especially
1: their, their leader in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she seemed like a really interesting character who has more more morals than your average bounty hunter.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, And she's the uh, same species as Maul. Oh.
1: Right? Are
2: they? I, I don't think, think, think so. so.
1: No? I think... They are the same, different, spiky, kind of
2: different spiky face people.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, right. especially because um, Maul. We'll, we'll get more into it, but there's a weird breakdown of gender of what people look like on Maul's planet that we will we'll, we'll get down to. Um,
2: yeah, she's she's a Zabrak, born oh. on maybe she is Iridonia. Is he is a Zabrak?
0: Yeah, so, so
2: but not born on Dathomir born on a different place. Right. She was born on Iridonia. Okay. Yeah. And Dathomir has strange things of ruin. Mm -hmm.
0: So I made brief reference to the name of the planet. I'm curious if you guys also caught this or if you think I'm, I'm reading too much into it. We've already discussed the idea that, um, in a lot of ways, a lot of these episodes are referencing what was happening in America at the time with all the concerns about the Iraq war and finances and, and lost lives and whether the war was worth it. Um, and now they go to a planet called Fallujah, which I can't hear without immediately thinking of the Iraqi city of Fallujah, where so much of the uh guerrilla violence and and fighting and all that kind of thing happened um did, mm-hmm. is that a reference you caught? do you think it's just completely coincidental and i'm I'm reading too much into it do you think it's intentional
2: no i I mean I instantly thought of that um i I was also like listening to. An NPR story about a, a musical called Fallujah that had just come out. Oh, D- yeah, oh. which I mean, it just came out. If this is probably several months ago now, um, and yeah, even when I watched it again, I was like, wait, did they just straight up call the planet the name of the city, and then had to like look it up, and they're spelled differently, right, and pronounced slightly differently? But yeah, um, but beyond the sound of the name, I don't really they like, see many more connections other than like you were saying, Matthew, and the sort of broad connecting of Clone Wars to um, right the Middle East uh, incidents, aggression. I don't. know. Is there like a nomenclature for calling like the? Is it just the Iraqi War?
0: I guess the Iraq War, the Iraq okay. battles of the. Yeah, I think I, I think the war in Iraq is okay. part of the war on terror, wars
1: of American imperialism. Yeah, <laughs> that too,
0: that too, um, and certainly. I mean, I my memory is vague i wasn't studying it deeply but my my memory is that fallujah was one of the places where there were a lot of sort of little local tensions between different groups like that had more to do with like city politics than than Hmm. the big glow and you know some of it was kind of the larger overall narratives but that a lot of it was also just like small rivalries within the city but that all then got caught up in the larger narratives of the um you know uh shia and sunni and the u.s backed and who's who's favoring the U S and who's not and Iraq and Iran and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it, it seemed a, an interesting reference, but a like odd to make that specific a reference, but then not make it more explicit. I thought was odd.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you explaining um, that, I mean, like I definitely see the ties of like the small interpersonal battles, but yeah, I, I agree. It seems odd.
0: Yeah.
1: Definitely. I don't think there's enough connection. Mm. It's I I guess I would probably guess that it was just like something, oh, we need a name for a planet, and it was in the news and they just changed it a little.
0: Yeah, that's certainly possible. And they just they already had a like it it might even be so much as like we want to have references to Iraq from time to time, but we're not going deeper than that. I think it's certainly possible. Maybe.
2: And was okay like regarding the timeline was clone wars being made during the iraq war or was this afterwards uh it could be that they just like didn't have enough information to tie in
0: right so the iraq war started in i believe 2003 and uh, this was made in 2009 uh okay. 2009 or 2010 but i believe 2009 and so by that point obama had taken over and Obama was starting to kind of draw down and pull us back. Um, but this was not very long after the Bush's surge. Uh, so, yes, I mean, so we were still pretty involved in fighting in Iraq. And certainly we were only, you know, maybe two or three years away from the, the fighting in Iraq being a major, major political issue. Yeah. So. All right. Well, any other kind of last thoughts on these three episodes and, and, and what they had for us?
1: More Embo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm. I I love the bounty hunters. I love their stories. I I love Cad Bane. I love Hondo. Um, I I want to see more of like, uh, all these individual ones and and where they're all going.
2: Yeah, and like less out of order sequencing, or like tell us beforehand. Yeah. That you're gonna be in a different period of time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. It's funny because they they reference at one point when talking about um Admiral Thru, Thru, I can't no Admiral Thrash trench Trench. i can't even remember it admiral trench um they reference that um you know that they everyone thought he was dead because he got vaporized um and so this feels particularly weird because we have seen him almost die in a different episode and then but he's still here but then but in this he's also already almost died off screen It, it just none of it makes any sense
2: what episode do we see him almost die in? That's like way later, right?
0: Um, I thought the episode that we are where he has all the cybernetics doesn't he like almost die in that one?
2: Yeah, but that's the final season of Clone Wars.
0: No, no, I mean the episode we we have seen him on. You and I, the three of us, have seen him on screen, haven't we?
2: No, this is his first appearance.
0: Huh. Okay. I'm.
2: Yeah, you're probably just getting confused because you did the the last season of Clone
0: Wars. Oh, that's right. He's in that too. Right. Okay. That, yeah. That maybe.
2: That's that's where he comes back again with his cybernetics and all that stuff.
0: Okay. So also. so this isn't quite as bad as I thought, but still a little bad.
1: So he's a spider, which means he's walking on two legs, and then has six arms, right?
2: Sick. He's he's walking on four legs, I think, like two two on either side, yeah. and then has four arms. I could I be wrong. Know.
1: I was just thinking, like, what if he's Admiral Trench because he's three children in a trench coat?
0: <laughs> uh, I I think our this episode has now jumped the shark, and so I will start our wrap up. <laughs> well, fans, let us know. Uh, do you think that the admiral is three children in a trench, or perhaps three other bugs in a trench? Let us know. Uh, tell whatever you think about all these episodes. We will now be regularly checking the emails. So I promise we will write it. Uh, let you know. We will promise to respond to it. Also, though, um, we're going to probably, you know, we'll we'll keep doing like three or four episodes at a time. So if you want to look ahead and, um, you know, either remember or watch some of the next episodes and then write into us with some thoughts you want us to discuss about those episodes, definitely please do that. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Um, Hope you're also checking out uh, the rewatch of the movies that's going on on the other part of this, as well as my other podcast, uh, Superhero Ethics, as well as uh, pretty much just everything that's happening right now on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. It's great stuff for geeks. There's deep dives into Marvel, um, the DC Universe, Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, I have just started uh, a series of episodes that will probably have already gone live by the time this episode goes up. um, On the newly launched PandaVision, which is going to be kind of about TV shows that don't fit into larger uh, universes but fit genre. We're right now talking about the TV show The Boys. Um, We're rewatching season one. Uh, and Season 2 has been announced. will be coming out in September. So we're hoping to get ready for that, and uh, we'll definitely be talking about that new season. We'll probably also be talking about Umbrella Academy pretty soon, which also comes out uh, in late July. So look forward to that. Ricky and Sarah, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Uh, to all our fans, thank you so much. Find us on uh, email, pot, uh, email, uh, Facebook, Twitter. All the links are in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much, and have a great day.
2: Thank you. <laughs>